James, thank you so much. Good morning, Woodbine. How's everybody doing today? Very good. Well, welcome. My name is Doug Jones, and I'm the campus teaching pastor. Uh, the guy with the long beard, not quite sure who that was here for the past year, but anyway, he sends your greetings. But no, in all seriousness, it is a joy having each and every one of you all with us this morning. For those online, welcome to the church at Woodbine. I want to introduce you a new dear friend of mine, Truett Ross. He is this. He's going to be here today. He's going to be preaching the word. He is part of the ministry residency program that we have, and he's officed over at Avenue South, just right down the road. So anyway, he is helping lead their college ministry. He's also learning to know how to preach, just disciple, lead church. And so this is your second year, correct? That's correct. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, I asked him weeks ago, because originally I was not going to be here today. I was going to be on fall break, if he could preach. And in God's great sovereignty, you are here. So it is all yours. So welcome, Woodbine. So glad you're here. Let's give him a big Woodbine welcome. Hey. It's all yours. Well, hey, thank you very, very much, Uh just want to give a thanks to start off with with Doug. Doug has been amazing about kind of walking through what do the scriptures look like this week. Uh, I just want to thank you all as well. Uh, I'm from the church at Avenue South, as he's mentioned. Uh, and so a sister church is, what, maybe five, six minutes from here. And so we are doing gospel ministry in the exact same city. And so it's just an honor to be with this congregation and this church family. We're like cousins, and I kind of like it. And so it's really great to be here. One thing I love about Woodbine, and something that Doug's been talking to, me about a lot is, I mean, you can see it around you, the multicultural emphasis that this church has, that we care about the nations, both globally, but also the nations have come here that are all around us as well. And what I love is many of you in this room are not from Nashville itself. Maybe you're from the surrounding area. Maybe you're from the States. Maybe you're from international area. And for being honest, that's kind of Nashville now. There's very few people that in Nashville that you meet that are actually from Nashville, it's kind of a unicorn when you meet them. And I love that because I'm not from here. I moved here a little over a year ago, and I'm from Oklahoma City, uh, which most people, when they think of Oklahoma City, they think we still like, you know, use horses and we're out there. There's a city now, okay? It's, it's a great experience. I love it there. Uh, but Oklahoma City, as great as it is, is also a city that has a lot of heartbreak. Uh, you all get this in Nashville, uh, but Oklahoma, like the movie Twister, takes place in Oklahoma for a reason. About 30 to 35 minutes from my house, there's been two F5 tornadoes in my lifetime. And so you get the idea of weather can create destruction. Uh, Nashville gets that, especially within recent history. Uh, also sports. Uh, y'all, for some reason, uh, when I was there, the Oklahoma Sooners were doing really well. I moved here, and now Tennessee is doing well. I'm not saying I'm a good luck charm. <laughs> y'all, uh, let's just establish that. God blessed us yesterday, did he not? I think many of us are praying a little bit stronger today. Uh, the smiles are a little bit bigger, and so uh, it's a great win. Uh, my team's not doing too hot this season. I'll just say that. And so, again, there's heartbreak when it comes to that. But the most heartbreaking part of probably my, my city's history is one of the first national terrorist incidents happened within Oklahoma City in 1995. Uh, some of you all remember that and saw that on the news. Others of you all uh, may not be familiar. Maybe you're, you're too young and you don't remember that. Uh, but one of the first national bombings that happened was in 1995 in Oklahoma City. Uh, a government building was bombed uh, and many lives were lost that day. And it actually, there was destruction. If you go to the memorial, there's destruction all around where you kind of have these memorials or monuments that have been brought up. Uh, 
there was a, a Catholic church that had a parish right across the street, St. Joseph's. And they actually, the parish was destroyed. There was no way that you could kind of reconcile it from the, the blast damage that happened. And there's a statue that they put up there. And it's a statue of Jesus from the passage that was read today. And in that statue, the, the, uh, the statue is entitled, And He Wept. And what you have is Jesus with his face in his palms looking away at the destruction that happened. We live in a world where there is destruction all around us. Some of it is, whether it's a natural disaster, whether it's a national attack, we, we can't get past it. Some of it's brought upon ourselves, whether it's national or even personal. We all know people in our lives who've had disasters strike them. Sometimes that disaster is inevitable, and sometimes that disaster is because of their own choosing. In a room of this size, my guess is many of us have family members that struggle with addiction. Maybe that's part of our own personal story as well, where Christ saved us from that, where you want to get through, you want to reach in, but for some reason, their hand seems distant from you. We live in a world of heartbreak. And one thing I love about this sermon series is it allows us to sit in that and be where Jesus was in midst of the heartbreak of our lives. So what we're going to do is we're going to read this passage, and we already read it, but I want to really zoom in on it. And I want to see both what Jesus did here. Look how Jesus responds to heartbreak. He sees and he weeps. But also what I want to ask each of us in this room today is, is Christ the person of peace in your life? Do you place your peace in the person of Christ? So let me read this passage real quickly. Verse 41, if you're in Luke 19. As he approached and he saw the city, he wept for it, saying, if you knew this day, what would bring you peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. For the days will come on you when your enemies will build a barricade around you. They will surround you and they will hem you in on every side. They will crush you and your children among you to the ground, and they will not leave one stone on another in your midst. Because, focus in on this, because you did not recognize the time in which God visited you. What we see right here is Jesus sees the city. We must see our city as Jesus sees it. We must see our city as Jesus sees it. Right here, he sees Jerusalem for what it is. And what is it? It's broken. The context of this passage, may think you think, why is this happening? If you look a little bit above this at the beginning of chapter 19, you'll see maybe a little Bible note that says the triumphal entry. This is when Jesus proclaims his ministry. He comes in on a donkey and everyone's waving palm branches. I grew up like in the church and I always loved Palm Sunday, right? All the kids are going around with their palm branches. He is in the city. People are waving and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. They are singing Psalm 118. They're, they're quoting scripture. And in that scripture, that's a messianic psalm. What they're saying is he's the guy. Jesus is the Christ. They're singing. So Why? If they're saying he's the Christ, if they're saying he's the Messiah, why is Jesus weeping over them? Why is he crying over them? It's because on Sunday, they may be singing his praises, but by Thursday, they're shouting, crucify him. Their words may be saying he's the Christ, but their hearts are distant from him. Their words say, Jesus, 
You're the king. Their actions will clearly say, we don't want you. He realizes that and he sees that right here. Their external appearance is very different than their internal spiritual health and their eternal spiritual reality. Their external appearance looks one way, but their internal spiritual health is not there. And their eternal spiritual reality is very different. When, when I'm reading this, I think of, and maybe some of y'all have seen this. Ever see like the little posts that say like Instagram versus reality? And anyone ever seen that before? You know, you look at it and it, what does it say? It's like, hey, this is what Instagram looks like when you can filter through, you can make things, you can edit, you can revise things. And this is what I look like in reality, or this is what this is like in reality. There's a filter that's going on in Israel's eyes. They think they look a certain way. Why? Because on the outside, they're editing it. They're filtering it. They're making themselves look really, really good. But the reality of their situation, where their heart is, is saying, uh-uh, we don't want Jesus. We want to look like we want Jesus, but when it comes to our heart posture and where they're at, they don't want him. I can't help when reading this. Just think about Nashville. Right, you got to contextualize scripture. How would Jesus look at our city? How would he look at Nashville, Tennessee, in 2022? Uh, Nashville's grown a lot. If anyone's from here for a while, you, you know that Nashville looks a lot different now than it did 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Some of y'all have been here longer. 30 years ago, the city's developed. It's grown. Some of that's great. Some of it's like, okay, I, I like that this is here now. There's people moving in with different cultures, and it adds so much vibrancy to our, our city, and it's beautiful. But some of you also, also can look like, hey, here are certain areas where, man, Nashville's not like what it was in this area, and th- this isn't good for our spiritual health. You, you can even look at downtown Nashville, where you used to have a different denominational buildings that were there, and you had different churches, and now what is it? It's mainly tourist attractions. And you, you can see a changing in that. Uh, a, a couple statistics for Nashville, and this has been done over the last few years. But what you're seeing is that 19 out of 20 churches within the Nashville area are in decline. So 19 out of 20 churches, and, and these were done before COVID. These aren't COVID numbers. This is pre-COVID numbers. 19 out of 20 churches are struggling within Nashville. Not only that, there are 30 foreign groups now with less than 2% gospel witness. Think about this, and many of you all represent this in different ways. There are 30 different foreign groups now that within our, uh, our city who have 2% gospel witness. The nations are coming to us, but those nations are also going unreached. The need is so strong there. But not just that, 75% of the population of Nashville are considered unchurched. They are not actively involved within a church community. Only 25% of Nashville then is actively churched. Now, some of y'all be like, yeah, I get that. Some of y'all may be shocked by that. Because I don't know about you all, Nashville's the center of the, uh, just the buckle of the Bible belt. But that buckle is quickly being unbuckled and coming undone. That's the reality of Nashville in 2022. While there may be a church around every corner, the gospel need is so strong. We may have those church buildings, but the hearts of our people need Jesus. When we see this and when we hear this, what's our reaction to it? Does the national that you see is one that needs Jesus at every corner? And when we, we, we know we have neighbors and friends and coworkers who long for Jesus, who don't have him, who are trying to find their peace in other areas, what's our response? Do we weep? Because that's the response that Jesus has right here. Look at it, verse 41. 
When he saw the city, he wept for it. Who's Jesus weeping for? Is he weeping for himself? They're not accepting me. No, who he's weeping after is these people, my neighbors, my family, the people that I love, the people who are my friends, they don't want me. On the lower level, these are people that Jesus was raised his whole life with, and they're rejecting him. On a greater level, it's the person of Christ. This is his chosen people for a thousand years that he said, you are mine. And at this point in time, they're saying, I don't really want you. His heart breaks for them. Uh, There's another verse where Jesus cries. It's it's, it's honestly a more popular verse. In John chapter 11, you see that Jesus, uh, he weeps over over his friend Lazarus who passes away. And what's really interesting about that passage is there's two different Greek words that are used here in the John 11 passage and in the one that we're reading today. In the John 11 passage, he uses the Greek word dekruo. And decruo means to, to cry. It means that emotion provokes you, and so tears just come out. It's, it's, it's a light crying. It's the idea that you're in a very solemn moment, and it just provokes a tear from you. The word that's used here is klaeo. Klaeo has a deeper meaning. It's the idea of bitter weeping. It's the idea of uncontrollable crying over the situation. How does Jesus resp- uh, respond to Lazarus? It's emotion. It's provoked. It's sadness. How does he respond to this situation? It's deep heartbreaking. Uh, another word is it's called klaeo. Another word that comes from this is the word kleasis. Uh, we get our word when we do communion in a second. It's the word to break. When Jesus says, I break this bread and I'm breaking my body, it's the word kleasis. What's happening to Jesus in this moment? It's an internal breaking with inside him. When he says these words, you get the emotion of just breaking inside of him. My guess is many of us have had moments like this where you love someone and they just won't accept the gospel. They said, it's not for me. I don't want this. And you know, it'll bring peace in their life. You know, this is what they need. And they're searching for it in different ways, trying to find it. And you just break because you love this person so much, but they don't want it. That is what Jesus is feeling right here. When you see the brokenness, how do you respond? Does your heart break for your neighbors? Where does their brokenness come from? Verse 42, it says this, if you knew this day, what would bring peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. We must place our peace in the person of Christ. We must place our peace in the person of Christ. Jesus' first concern for these people is what? their peace. Maybe you have an idea of Jesus in your head where Jesus wants you to just follow a bunch of rules. Just do what I tell you. This is what I want. Jesus cares first and foremost for them as well, but for you, he cares about your peace. He wants you to be at rest in your life. He doesn't want you anxious. He doesn't want you worried. He wants the best for you. He wants their peace. Jerusalem literally means city of peace. That's the name. They're rejecting their own name. They're not a city of peace. Why? Because they've rejected peace, who is Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can bring peace. My guess is you live just even a few years. You know this. We try and find our peace in a lot of different areas. Maybe it's the security. If I can just have enough finances, I'll I'll be good, and then I'll be at peace. There won't be anything that's getting me too worked up. Maybe I just find a person. Man, I, I just need a person or a relationship in my life. And if I can have them... Like, man, I won't have to worry and I'll have someone there for me all the time. We try and find our peace in different 
areas. You only get this with Christ, though. And this is obvious. Look how many times the word you, just glance at your Bibles. Look how many times the word you is used. It's used over 12 times. It's hard to get away from the personal nature of this passage. It's like it's shouting right at you, you, you. I think two false pieces that we can like look for or that we can drive uh, our meaning from, uh, you can see this in this passage, is our false peace in trying in our own religious works and our false peace in complacency. Think about this group of people. What were they doing just a few hours before Jesus is crying? They're quoting scripture. They're singing worship songs. They are there in the moment saying, Jesus, 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 we are there for you. But where's their hearts? Their works are right. They're doing for Jesus, but they don't want to be with Jesus. This sermon can get really easily, go do for people, go speak the gospel, do that. But I want you to also reflect on your own heart here. Do you find your relationship with Jesus is all about what you do, do, do? Or is it who I am in Christ? By being with Jesus. That's what Jesus cares about here. He wants you at peace, and peace is only found with Jesus. But not just the idea of just doing in your works, but also complacency. These people, in the, they're saying, hey, the Messiah is coming for us. You know what? I'm going to ride it out. It's going to be all good. Their security is found in their lineage and in their bloodline. For those of us who were raised in the church, we have a, a different problem than a lot of people. We think, well, I grew up in the church. It's all good. I don't need to worry about anything. You know what? Jesus is going to do what he's going to do. I'm just going to do my own thing because I'm kind of already in. Would Jesus say, no, I want you. It doesn't matter if your parents or your grandparents were saying, what I want is a personal relationship with you. Both of these pieces lead to their destruction. Both of these pieces, uh, both of these pieces, whether it's complacency or whether it is their own religious works, leads to their downfall. They have taken Jesus and they have cut him out of their lives. I, uh, I love to watch movies and Disney movies specifically. Uh, anyone seen Tarzan before? Yes? Okay. Got the Phil Collins soundtrack in the background. It's a great one. If you haven't seen it, there's going to be a spoiler. I'm just going to let you know right now. But the villain Clayton throughout, I mean, he's a tough dude. He's going out consistently, and he's just angry. He's going at Tarzan at the very end, and he's in the trees, and some of y'all can picture this right now. He's caught up in all the different vines that are around him, and he has this machete. And he's trying to go at Tarzan. He's trying to take him out. And when he's doing it, he keeps on cutting the vines that are around him, that support network that's keeping him up. And he keeps on cutting, and he keeps on cutting. And at the very end, he cuts the last one that's holding him up, and the only other one that's holding him up is one around his neck. He cuts and cuts and cuts. And in doing so, he leads to his own downfall. What they're doing with Jesus is Jesus is there for three years doing ministry. And what the the Jews here are doing, the people of Jerusalem, they're saying, we don't want Jesus here. We don't want Jesus here. And they're cutting him out. We don't want this. We don't want this. We don't want this. And what they're doing is they are leading to their downfall because they are trying to cut Christ. They want the religious works. They want the actions. They want the festivals. They want the singing. They don't want Jesus. I, I think we have to look at our own lives and ask ourselves, man, Do we see where Jesus is trying to do in our own lives? What do you see at the last verse, that last part of verse 44? Because you did not recognize the time when God visited you. Because you did not recognize it. 
Do you recognize what Jesus is trying to do in your own life? Whether you haven't met him before, but you feel that spirit pushing you towards him, but you're kind of pushing it away. You don't want to fully commit. Or whether you've walked with Jesus, but Jesus is trying to do a work in your life. Maybe you're feeling a call to ministry or missions. Maybe Jesus is telling you, you need to be having this conversation with this person. I place this person in your life for a reason, but you're not recognizing it. You're pushing it away. What we see in this passage, he only asked for so long. He was there for three years. They had multiple chances and opportunity, but they pushed him away, and it leads to their own downfall. One of the saddest things, if you glance right back up, if you have your Bibles with you, at verses 37 and verses 38, the visitation of Christ is supposed to look like this. Rejoicing, worship, peace, and glory. What are they saying? Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They're praising this day. Why? Because they think they are all right. They're praising it. Why? Because they think the problems are going to happen to the other people. It's the Romans who are going to have problems. It's the others. They're seeing their own downfall right here. All the language that's used in this section, the, part, the ideas that are going on of they will build a barricade, they will surround you, all of those things, those are all used in the Old Testament. And it's Israel singing about the destruction of other nations, but they're singing about their own destruction here. Why? Because it doesn't matter where you come from. What matters is Jesus. Is Jesus that peace in your life? Do you recognize when Jesus is trying to get your attention? Do you recognize Jesus trying to make moves in your life? They missed Jesus's peace because they missed him. They missed his peace because they missed him. Don't miss out on Jesus in your life. Don't miss out on what he's trying to do. Two applications I think that we can take from this um, is the first is those who don't know Christ in the room. So if if you don't know Jesus and you're you're here for some reason, maybe someone invited you. Uh, Maybe you've grown up in church, but like you just never really wanted to commit to Jesus. Look how Jesus feels about you in this passage. He isn't callous towards you. He isn't tapping his watch. When's it going to happen? He weeps over you. He cares for you on such a deep level that it breaks him on the inside. He desperately wants you. He desires you. He wants to say, you are mine. Don't push him away. If you want real peace in your life, it's not going to come from the things of this world, the securities that we think they're going to have. It's also not going to come from your own religious works or actions. It comes from knowing and having a personal relationship with Jesus, which he wants to have with you. But for those who know Christ, I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is this. Do we weep over our city's brokenness? Do we weep over our city's brokenness? Uh, Fanny, as you start to come up, um, we're, we're about to transition to a time where we're around the Lord's table. It always causes us to reflect about what Jesus does in our own life. What Jesus did, both in his salvation for us on the cross, but also in how he's saving us each and every day. Jesus wants to save Nashville. He longs and he loves the people here, whether they were born and raised here or whether they've just integrated to become part of the family here. He longs. I, I did some earlier, did some statistics that were kind of heavy or maybe negative. I, I want to give you some positive statistics that let you know about the harvest happening in Nashville. The projected population of Nashville over the next 20 years is supposed to grow by 1.8 to 3 million people. Think, think about that. 
1.8 to 3 million people over the next 20 years. Some of you are thinking, oh, traffic's about to get really bad. (laughs) But think about this. These are different people who need to know Jesus. These are opportunities where Jesus is saying, come, come. We have the fastest growing uh, immigrant population in the U.S., one of the fastest growing immigrant populations in the U.S. Some of y'all are, are part of that story, and how cool is that? But with that, there's a lot of individuals in that who don't know Jesus. What I love about Woodbine is you have a heart for the nations. The amount of missionaries that you all have sent off or the amount of missionaries that you are housing right now saying, hey, we're a home of rest for you before you go back. We have an opportunity when it comes to that. To quote Jesus, the harvest is plentiful. But I think instead of just the doing, I want to ask, how are you feeling about it? Get down to the deeper root. Where's your heart in all of this? Is it longing after them? Are you prepared for Christ's visitation today? If so, the offer is here. So as you bow your heads, maybe you're coming in today uh, with just a heavy heart. Maybe this has been a, a rough week for you, whether it's work or relationships. Maybe it's family, people that you love who don't know Jesus, and you just come in, and it's just heavy. Maybe that's something you haven't even thought about. You have family members who don't know you, but it's easier to not think about it and to kind of go on about your lives. I pray that we ask Jesus, Jesus, enlighten me. Who are the people in my lives that you have placed specifically that I can be a gospel witness to them? God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Maybe we've grown up in the church and we, we do the song. We're Baptists so we don't usually do the dance, but maybe you have not really committed to Christ and said, you are my Lord and my Savior. Maybe today's the day where you say, God, you're here. Your visitation's happening. I want to submit to you. Father, we come before you each with different stories. And I I pray that our story today isn't one of, we heard about Jesus, we wanted you, we just never said yes. I also pray that our our story isn't one of, we, we know the songs, we know the scriptures, we do the right things, but we still don't know you. Jesus, pull us in today, draw us near, let no hesitations, we don't want to cut you out, we want to make you Lord of our lives. Father, I pray that if anyone in the room is feeling that, that they will be able to come before you today and say, you are the king of my life. Come, King Jesus. We want to thank you for your son and the opportunity that you, have a, you are a person and a God who loves us. In your name, Jesus, amen.